You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. In your fandom, where you're apathetic about a team that to start the season had the second highest payroll in baseball, one of the favorites to win the championship. And on August 14th, you've reached a point of apathy. You know it's a problem. So the Yankees lose again. They're 60-59 and 59 on the season. Got a minus seven run differential. They are pacing to finish under 500 for the first time in 31 years. 31 years. That's how long it's been. And it's part of the reason why people feel like Cashman should stay employed. Because you keep a team over 500 for three plus decades. That is impressive. But when you're the New York Yankees and we've resigned to, well, you know, at least we're over 500, it tells you how far you've fallen from grace. And I've got to sit here once again after uh, after another Yankee loss, another embarrassing loss, 11-3 to tonight. You know, yesterday they waited until the bottom of the ninth inning and the supposed best bullpen in baseball just threw up all over itself. Couldn't field, and it's just mind-boggling to watch this team suffer. Base running blunders, defensive miscues. Clay Holmes gets a comebacker, struggles with it, and instead of pocketing it, he throws it down the first baseline. At some point, the baseball IQ has to come into play, and that's a reflection of the manager. So when all of things, all of these things are happening in the midst of your worst season as a manager— and I have to listen to you tell me about the care factor still being there. They're still playing with intensity. I'm not saying you got to go to shortstop and punch Anthony Volpe in his face. But can I get a little something out of you? Can I get some urgency? Can I get you to be a little angry? Something. Just something. Aaron Boone, what's the difference between you and the Atlanta Braves? Yeah, I mean, look, right now they're the class of the league. I mean, clearly. And that's, you know, that's where you want to be. And they're obviously putting together a pretty pretty great season and have been now kind of in that National League for the last several years and, and have a lineup that's really, really rugged and balanced and a little peek into where you're trying to get to. So am I reading this? Is that a shot at Cashman that he hasn't given him the right ammunition? To go to war with teams like the Atlanta Braves? Obviously, we're, we're in it to win it. Or is that more of, uh, yeah, we're injured. We've got a lot of injuries. What can you expect? I don't know if that's an excuse or if he's taking shots at the general manager who's about to fire him at the end of the season. But I do need to see more from you. I need to hear more from you. And I don't think that's a lot to ask. It sounds like you're going to get fired anyway. So you might as well go out with the bang. I cannot listen to care factor and at bat quality and hard hit rate. I just can't do it anymore. Are you winning? Back of the studio and smack him in the back of his head. Are are you in the business of winning games? Yes or no? Are you still a team that prides itself on winning championships? So don't give me playoff appearances. Don't give me all. You know they made it to the ALC ALCS last year. If you are the New York Yankees. And we have come down from our mighty, mighty pedestal to the point where we have to tout American League championship appearances to defend 
our resume, then, oh boy, we're in a world of trouble. Because last I checked, the mantra hadn't changed just yet. It's still championship or bust. It's still about winning rings. And in the last 21 years, they've won one championship. One. But over and over, we got to do the same thing, which is why I've like emotionally detached myself. Not that I don't care. Not that it makes me less of a fan. I'm not as passionate. It's just I saw the writing on the wall. I can't get upset anymore. When we were talking about, you know, once Judge and Radon comes back, they're going to take off. I never bought into that. And I was honest with you guys from the get-go. It was never going to happen. This team is not built the right way. Not built the right way. Speaking of not being built the right way, the story that came out today on James Harden, I thought was hilarious. It, it was so funny. Started busting out laughing. I want to start off by saying, first and foremost, and it's sacrilegious to say this on a New York station, I actually feel badly for Sixer fans. They had to endure the nonsense that was that process and the stupidity that came with it. Four straight seasons they threw away to facilitate this path of actually getting to contention. And at first it worked, right? Like Ben Simmons became a multi-time All-Star, All-NBA guy, one of the best defensive wings in the league. And then, like in a drop of a hat, he was unplayable. That was a a fall from grace that was such a catastrophe, like our minds were blown. Then a few months ago, after Joel Embiid had won an MVP, these rumors started to percolate. I don't know how true they were, but it's just what naturally comes with the soap opera that is the National Basketball Association that he wants out or might want out if the Sixers don't find a way to make some noise in the playoffs. This is coming off of an MVP season where he should be primed for takeoff. But to me, the biggest part of this story is, and I I just wanted to outline why I feel bad for Sixers fans, because you've been through a lot. And look, Knicks fans, anyone living in New York City, root against the Sixers. I understand that. But just to go through what they've gone through, all the tanking, and to see it not really bear the harvest that they they imagined when they were, you know, going through all of that misery... That's what I feel bad for. But the guy with the egg on his face is Daryl Morey. When Daryl was the GM in Houston, he watched James Harden choke in playoff games year after year after year. That same James Harden didn't come back with a vengeance. He came back with a belly ate himself out of town, which was, by the way, one of the most embarrassing things a star could ever do. Like, people talk about, and I'm not defending him, but Kevin Durant, you know, going to join the team that beat him. Sure, you can have an issue with how it uh, how it affects the competitive balance of the league. You can have an issue with his inner compete level. Why would you want to go to another team? You can have an issue with LeBron stacking super teams. What James Harden did was embarrassing. It was pathetic to eat yourself out of town, to come to camp looking as big as you did. But through all of that, Darryl then went to Philly and traded for that guy 
who every single year came up short in the playoffs and then tanked himself out of Houston. He looked at James Harden, an all-time postseason flopper who quit on the team and the organization that Daryl was running, looked at that same guy and said, yeah, he's the missing link. That is the biggest congratulations you played yourself. And all the L's coming to Darren Worry, he deserves. You were in a relationship with James Harden. You saw how it played out, and then you went somewhere else and wanted to get back with him. You thought it was going to end any differently? Because this is becoming Harden's legacy. Not just choking in the playoffs, but he's got now, what, three different trade requests in the last four months? And it all goes back to the fact that when you are one of the greatest players of all time and you've played with, I mean, Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and and Chris Paul and Dwight Howard and Kyrie Irving and now Joel Embiid and everywhere you went, you were either running stars out of town or you were being run out of town by stars or or asking for out of town because you just couldn't handle what was going on in that situation. He seems to be the common denominator. And when he went uh, he went out there and said this today, I I was just like, what is going on? Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. It's so jarring to me because like their relationship was great and watching it sour this precipitously and to have it play out publicly, it's it, it's shocking. It's shocking. Who do you blame more? Because there had to have been a wink wink between them. Remember, Harden a couple of years ago took less money to allow them to bring in players that would help them win a championship. And it landed, you know, P.J. Tucker and, you know, Daniel House and Niang and Melton. And I guess the wink-wink was that when it was time to re-up and, and, you know, get that big contract, that big final contract, they were going to pay him. And Houston reneged. They saw during the season him, you know, those rumors didn't come out of nowhere that he wanted to return to the Rockets. And by the way, Rockets fans better, you know, pray to the heavens and thank God that Ime Udoka stepped in and said, no, we don't want to get in the James Harden business. We've got a, a young team, solid foundation. Let's try to build a nice culture here. We don't need him coming in with the, you know, the strip clubs and all, all the distractions that come with James Harden. We're good. We're good. But Maury, uh, he didn't follow through with what he promised. Should he be blamed for that? It, it, it just, in the end, it comes down to this. Harden, three times in four years, has demanded out. He's forced players, Hall of Famers, off of his team. He's left Hall of Famers from the team he was on. And now, once again, he's in a bad relationship and he's airing it out publicly when his agent even advised him not to do that, calling him a liar. 
Look, I understand it's contentious and you feel like this this guy played you and he owes you some money. I get all of that. But when your history and your resume is what it is, it is going to be awfully hard for anyone to give you the benefit of the doubt. Awfully hard. I am all for, and you guys who listen to me know this, I'm all for player empowerment. I find it silly when when media members come on here and, and chastise players for demanding trades. Because you have every right, especially with those same guys who are going to crush you for not winning. When you try to put yourself in best position to not get crushed for the not winning, to in best position to actually win the championship, that's not something you should be excoriated for. You, you have a right to put yourself in that path or on that path to corralling a championship that people malign you for not having. But this right here is a little bit of a game changer. He bailed on Houston, bailed on Brooklyn, and wanted to bail on Philly. And now this same guy is upset that the Sixers bailed on paying him after yet another postseason meltdown? I'm sorry, Harden. Both you and Darren Moore, we played yourselves. So, so all the L's coming to both of you guys, you deserve them. 800-919-3776. I see the calls lining up. We'll talk Dalvin Cook to the Jets. We'll talk about the Yankees losing yet again. We'll get into the Harden stuff and continue to take your calls on that. 800-919-3776. I'm on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. I'm on Instagram as well. We're going until midnight. Keep it locked right here on 987 ESPN. You just played yeah, yourself. Yeah. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. But Joe Leo's feeling a little salty tonight. 800-919-3776. If you are someone who thinks Aaron Boone is a good manager, my question for you is what does he do well? Because I keep hearing he's a good manager. Well, you tell me managers don't do anything. So explain to me what he does well that makes him a good manager. Please do that. 800-919-3776. We had to Long Island to talk to Nate. What's up, Nate? Hey, what's up? How you doing? First time listener, actually. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Awesome, awesome. I wanted to talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook signing. You know, I'm a diehard Jet fan. Been since I was a little kid. And I'm hearing a lot of these people celebrating Dalvin Cook. And I humbly say, like, as a student of the game and watching all these and watching Dalvin Cook play, his regression is so unbelievably evident that I can't believe people are buying into it. And I'm rooting for the Jets as much as anyone else. I've been to three training camps this year. I'm super excited. And, you know, it's it's a big personality to bring on, not as a person himself, but a big name and a big mouth to feed that the Jets may feel inclined and forced to feed. I, uh, I, remember, I remember Phil Jackson wrote in his book that I hate to be the one to coach Kobe when he's no longer Kobe. Mm. And I feel like I'm living in that same situation here where they're bringing on a name, they're bringing on Dalvin, and they have a whole backfield to deal with, a lot of good guys, a lot of talented guys. And once Brees Hall's back and healthy, what are they going to do? They're just going to sit out Dalvin Cook? No, but here's, so here's the no thing, Nate. Aren't they telling you, and I wanted to go back and forth with him, but we, we dropped you. My bad, Nate. Uh, what, what I would say is, aren't the Jets telling you by signing Dalvin Cook and committing north of $8 million to him what they think about their running back room? Isn't it kind of an admission that Brees Hall, not that he, you know, suffered a setback, but there shouldn't really be this high expectation one year removed from the ACL injury, for, you know, for him to just go back to being what he was. 
I think that this is the smart play. And even if Dalvin Cook has regressed, I don't know that it's that significant enough where this isn't, at least as an insurance policy, a good move uh, for that offense. Brees Hall is going to be back. Dalvin Cook is going to be there. And as far as managing personalities, there's a 53-man roster. The head coach, like, I shouldn't be concerned about him managing the personalities. I should be confident he's able to do that. If he's the head coach, if we envision this team winning a Super Bowl, the least of my concern should be, oh, is he going to be able to manage the Eagles? I, I, he, if, he's, if he is one of, let's just call him a top half coach in the league. Like he's one of the 16 best coaches in football. That might be enough for the Jets to win a championship. He has to be good with clock management and game management and the X's and O stuff. I think he's an excellent motivator. He's got to show he can be the CEO, and part of that is managing personalities. No, they're not going to just shove Cook to the side, but I would imagine when they bring him in and they have that meeting, they, they come to terms on what his role is going to look like with this team. Pre-Brees Hall returning, when Brees Hall is here. That's discussed. And Dalvin Cook decided... This is the place I wanted to go to. 800-919-3776. Ruben's in Tennessee and wants to chop it up. What's up, Ruben? Hey, how you doing, my friend? Uh, uh, I called in twice. Anyways, I originally called in for to talk about the Yankees, but I listened to your um, your your talk about uh, Harden. And I, first of all, I think he's a cancer. <laughs> Every team he goes to, uh, they should be good on paper, but they never they never follow through. Uh, secondly, on the Jets, uh, I think Dalvin Cook, the, uh, you know, the Jets are in it to win it. So I'm a Giants fan, but the Jets are in it to win it. So whatever kind of pieces they can put, put together to, to make their offense better, it, it, I'm down for that. But as far as the Yankees, yeah, uh, Aaron Boone, I've been calling for Aaron Boone to be fired like three, four months ago. And uh, and Cashman as well as Cashman, and uh, you know Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes, uh, he he he's had like 40, 45 uh, appearances. He's got sixteen saves. He's not your closer. Well, he's listen, definitely not your closer. Listen, I I I'll push back on a little bit of that in, in this regard. He he's been great this year, and the Yankees have the number one bullpen. I won't put, I won't put that loss yesterday on Boone. You go to your closer no, up no, four no, runs. No, no, I don't put it on Boone. I, I, I'm just saying, when when the thing is, people don't understand playing in Yankee Stadium. It's a it's a big thing. Like not all superstars who come to Yankee Stadium perform superstar. That's right. You know their 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 quality. They That's... can play anywhere, and they can be great. But the, what the Yankees, the Yankee pressure is, is a different, it's a different monster, a different monster. Yeah, and they haven't been, and to your point, I appreciate the call, they haven't been able to identify that with certain people that they bring in. Sonny Gray was an all-star again this year. Just wasn't built for Yankee, wasn't built for the pinstripes. Joey Gallo, same thing. There are certain guys who come here, and because the moment is too big, the stage is too grand, they're not able to perform to the level of their expectations. And as far as the Jets and you know, them being all in, when you bring a 39-year-old Hall of Fame quarterback into this building, your window is as long as he's able to give them Hall of Fame-level quarterback play. 
And on top of that, when he takes a $35 million discount, the message you have to send to him is, we are all in with you. We are on the same page. And if you're a fan of Dalvin Cook, we're going to bring that guy in. Same thing happened with Brady in, in Tampa. The guys that he wanted to, to bring in and help him win a championship, they went after. The Jets have to acquiesce to the same demands. Buddha's in the Bronx. My guy, Buddha. Hey, what's going on, Cat Daddy? Yo, we here, man. Right? I'm surprised you're in such a good mood. Your sixes are a mess right now. All right, listen, if you let me expound on that, I'll tell you, you know, what, what it really is. I mean, I'm happy that Dalvin Cook is here. Uh, there's only two things I'm concerned with with Cook as opposed to, like, signing Kareem Hunt. Uh, I heard that his shoulder is still not 100% healthy, but what's even more concerning is that he paid off that young lady that million dollars. For yeah. That He's going to end up getting suspended like, three or four games. So, you know, I'm glad he's here, but that's an area of concern. You know, I, I heard Rich Cimini talking about how, you know, there's going to be some moving parts and all this other stuff. Listen, I, I really I don't want to hear none of that. The bottom line with the Jets is, at the 53 cut-down limit, they're going to have to introduce one more lineman. I, I, I don't care what you tell me. The the the, the five linemen who are, are going to be Aaron Rodgers' protectors, at least one of them is not on the team right now. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as for Salah, you know, he has an opportunity to change his bio because, you know, I've been very harsh and critical of Salah, and I think it's not anything far-fetched to say that in the AFC East, He's the worst coach. That's fair. And, Very fair. And also, the Jets have had the worst offensive line. So that's something that they're going to have to address. But like I said, he has the opportunity to change his bio. You know, any big-time head coach goes through a period of adversity. So, you know, he's had adversity before, but it's going to be adversity when Aaron Rodgers is here. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to show leadership, and he's going to have to be a guy who, at some point, takes control of the team and stops becoming one of the guys. I mean, that's his problem as, as far as I'm concerned. But you want to talk about the Sixers. <laughs> not this is stuff, what I'm man. waiting for, man. I, I'll let you get that other stuff in, which is cool. I agree with you. But, yeah, let's 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 hear your, your Sixers who, who went from being a contender to an embarrassment just, just that quickly. All right, listen, I'll tell you something. And, I, and I'm not some type of New Jack fan. Listen, I grew up watching Reggie. I grew up watching Greg Nettles, Mickey Rivers. So you know this generation I grew up with sports. So in terms in terms of the Sixers, you know, I, I remember the Henry Bibby days, you know, Chocolate Thunder days, Bobby Jones, Plastic Man, Andrew Tony, all that. I remember when Doc came over in 76. And, you know, I, I've been a, a Sixers fan for a long time. So to steal a quote from the boss, you know, uh, uh, one of my favorite sports owners of all time, when I see a fat pussy toad like James Harden trying to dictate what's going to happen with the Sixers, I find him as a pain in the you-know-what, but he's not the root source of the problem. Daryl Morey is the root source of the problem. You brought him there. And not only did you bring him there, you ended up giving him an extension with a player option. He's done this same kind of nonsense everywhere he's been. And guess what? Joel Embiid is not exempt from criticism nope. because his passive-aggressive behind had a whole lot to say when uh, Ben Simmons was going through whatever he was going through. But now James Harden doesn't want to play for y'all. You guys are taking pictures with him at the Met Gala and all this <laughs> other stuff, please. I got a problem with all of that because, like I said, and for all your Knicks fans that think it's funny or think that, um, you know, 
and B is going to come to the Knicks. We're never trading him to y'all. But guess what? You wish in your lifetime as Knicks fans in the last 40 years that you would have had a Dr. J, a Moses Malone, Ooh. you understand what I'm saying, a Charles Barkley, and an Allen Iverson. So all you guys running around with your Cheshire grins on your face, y'all can <laughs> shut the hell up too. But, you know, back to what I'm talking about here is... Oh, what, man, he's spicy what today. Me off is, no, no, no. What pisses me off about this whole situation is it's similar to the Yankee situation. If Aaron Boone needs to go... We all know Brian Steinbrenner needs to go. If Doc Rivers needed to go, which he did, which he did, Daryl Morey needed to go too as well. Because you know what pisses me off about the whole situation is? You got a guy in here who I believe is a big-time head coach in Nick Nurse. Yep. And you bring him in here, and I'm sure he's sitting around like, yo, what the hell is going on in here? I got a player who's the MVP of the league, who, let's be honest, he's not an alpha male. So you're going to let a pseudo-alpha male with a fat stomach and a long beard control what's going on with our team here? It's a disgrace. And Maury needs to go as well. You know, and that's why I love Nugenics. It's not going to happen, Buddha. This is, this I love Nugenics. No, listen, Ime Udoka, they were going to trade him to Houston. It was all set in stone. But when Udoka got there, he's like, not on my watch, famo. <laughs> not on my watch. <laughs> They're not getting rid of Daryl Morey, man. I, I think he's got like $24 million left on his contract. There's no chance they're just getting rid of him. That's not happening. Well, so then guess what? What are we doing? It's the same thing like I said. And this is the thing that Uncle Larry said, that, that the OG Bill Daughtry said, and, and it's a very true. A new broom sweeps clean. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as change Without change. I hear you, Buddha. There's I hear no you. such thing. I, listen, I got to run. I, I'm up against the clock. But you know I got love for you, Buddha. I, I appreciate the energy, man, the passion. And he going at Nick fans. There's a little rivalry between Buddha and, Nick, and the Nick fans. 800-919-3776. I see the Yankee calls here. We'll get to you after we hit a break. Uh, Ty Butler going to midnight. Keep it locked right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Harrison Bader was asked uh, about the, the, the matchup tonight, about the loss to the Braves, 11-3. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think we matched the energy. I just don't think we matched the score going into it, preparation-wise and everything. Um, it just didn't shake out on a results standpoint. But, you know, in terms of preparing and, and energy and, and the fire that we bring, you know, in between the white lines, I think we definitely matched that. And we're just going to continue to match that, you know, for the remaining 40 games. Yeah, or so. so that's, that's a, the, another example of why you have to fire the manager. This is the message that he is putting across and has been for his entire tenure. But when you're losing, and I'm hearing about you matching the energy of the team that just beat you by eight runs, it's time to make a change. Paul is in Hollis and wants to talk. What's up, Paul? Hey, what's up, Ty? How you doing? I'm, I've been better, man, when it comes to the Yankees, but we'll make it through. What's going on? Just real real quick, I just had to throw this Nick situation in. All right, let's hear it. Remember when... Yeah, you remember when you said to me, Knicks were going to lose against Cleveland? Yeah. I, I had the Cavs in five. Yeah, what happened? I know, man. I was dead wrong. I, it's a pick I'd make again. If the series happened tomorrow, I'd pick the fa- Cavs in five again. <laughs> okay, okay. I just had to get that one out. <laughs> it's all good, man. I took a nail on that one. I took a nail on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, going to the Yankees. 
all day, everybody's been talking about these Yankees, and the problem is not this problem that they have right now didn't just start this year. How do you put up a lineup? And, you, and when you have a lineup, you don't have no hitters. There's nobody that can hit the ball. They 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 got they got they got some heavy contracts, some things they shouldn't have done, and this is all a culmination of Cashman and whoever his baseball people are, a whole culmination of what they've done over the past four to five years. And now everybody's calling for well, we'll get this, we'll we'll, we'll get rid of the manager. No, get rid of Cashman. Well. There's a whole there's a whole lot of stuff that has to go on. They have to they got to get rid of some people. They got to get rid of some people. Then who are you going to get to replace those people? And what kind of philosophy are they going to run on? Because the philosophy they're running on right now is not a winning philosophy. They're not getting any new jacks from their system. From their system that used to be that used to be their calling card. They mm-hmm. they would get they would get to get the new jacks. They would get some international players. And they get some 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 hot veterans. They mix it up. Yep. But the foundation—that's that's what they did. Yeah, and it's not they, working for them right now. It's not working for them right now. When you look at uh, the the depreciated assets of Glaber Torres and Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar and Gary Sanchez and Greg Bird and Luis Severino, like this was supposed to be the next crop of guys that took you into your next, you know. Uh, gl- in, into the next phase of glory days, and it just never materialized. Yeah. So uh, that, mm-hmm. that 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 that's what it is, and I appreciate the call, Paul. The Yankees have issues that go far deeper than the manager, but he has to be re- held responsible for it as well. So if you, your question is like, what do you got to do? Who do you get rid of? You get rid of them both. Cashman and Boone both have to go. Justin's in Long Island. What's up, Justin? What's going on, Ty? tell you there there is no accountability on this team whatsoever Hal doesn't know how to run this team he's just letting Cashman do the same thing over and over again trying to buy their way to a championship they don't bring up any of these young guys where is Floriel where is this kid Peraza the other kid Everson Pereira that's hitting a ton in AAA why are none of these guys called up ever well, we're sold a bill of goods on them, Justin. And as I just laid out, don't you see that every single time we're told about, well, this guy's going to be great. This guy's going to be great. They come up and stink. So I don't even know what, what to believe anymore. Are, are well, they yeah, actually? I mean, that, 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 so then that goes on the development, man. That's a, that's a problem because the Dodgers bring up guys all the time. Houston replaces guys. They let Correa walk. Then they get Pena here. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's a joke. Yeah, that's facts, and Justin. It's facts. And, and I, I'm you know, tired of listening to, to them blame injuries and crapshoot yeah. when other teams have been able to figure it out. Right, exactly. I mean, you, you bring in a guy, Stanton, who you didn't need. You already have somebody in the same player and judge where you could have had you know, somebody, I know Watani wasn't coming here, but maybe you could have made a run at Harper who would fit great at Yankee Stadium. You have no left-handed power, and you, and you need that at Yankee Stadium. It's such an advantage, and you don't have it. You know what's so odd, Justin? I was reading a, a column today. It was CBS wrote it. And it's so funny when you hear Boone talk about, like, the matchups that he uses as far as, like, going to the bullpen against opposing teams' offenses, right? He'll talk mm-hmm. about lanes, you know, he wants to match up righty with righty and lefty versus lefty. Meanwhile, right. the Yankees are right. All they bat are righties. Yeah. They're all Absolutely. right-handed. So it that's doesn't even make sense. Right. And that's why, you know, Houston dominated them in the ALCS. They they just threw those right-handed fireballs at them, whether it be uh, Breu or uh, 
Presley, it's uh, I'm telling you, Ty, it's just it's just a mess. And you know, listen, Boone is clueless too, but it sounds with Howe and, and Cashman. Yeah, and, it, it's and, sad. How doesn't know how to run a team? This is this is going to be like. I don't see this getting any better. It, it's okay? sad. He doesn't Justin. know how to run this team. At least Cohen has a plan. It's he's, sad. He's going to get somebody that knows how to run the organization in Stearns. I wish the Yankees would do that. Well, here's the thing. Know, here's the thing, Justin. I appreciate the call. Listen, if if the end of this season. If the end of this season reads Yankees last place in the American League East, which means they obviously missed the playoffs, they've got a negative run differential. They they are now under five hundred for for the first time in thirty one years. If we have all of that take place, and this general manager who's been here for what? How many years now has he been here? Twenty seven years. Twenty seven years. Brian Cashman has been here. If we get to the point where all those things I laid out are true, and then on top of that, he's gone the last 22 of his 27 years winning just one World Series, and the Yankees still continue to employ him, then Hal Steinbrenner's clueless. And I don't mean to be disrespectful. Like he's run a, a successful operation. Yes, network ratings are incredible. And, you know, the, the, the stadium has been filled every single night. I get that. But you have to. You have to. Not be your dad. But it, you have to tap in to that gene that causes you to, to develop a hatred for losing and for being pathetic and embarrassing, which is what you are right now. And if that doesn't ultimately lead you to clean house and see that this current operation is malfunctioning, then you have no idea what you're doing. And maybe you should sell the team. 800-919-3776. We wrap the show right here on 98.7 ESPN. And he sits there like an idiot and blows bubbles. (laughs) 